You're listening to Real Chicks Rock Presents Real Discussions, and I'm your host, Michelle Dawes-Burt. Fasten your seatbelts as it's sure to be an informative discussion and conversation. Keep in mind that we are not perfect, but we're empowered. Enjoy. Good afternoon and welcome to Real Chicks Rock Presents Real Discussions. I'm your host for today, Michelle Dawes-Burt, and as always, I'm super excited to be here. It's a beautiful day here in Atlanta. The temperatures are gorgeous. The sun is shining. We are here, but we are still somewhat sheltering in place here in Atlanta. We're walking around with our masks, even though it's not a state law, but most of us are trying to just be conscious and trying to be safe because things are just going crazy. School has started uh, back in session for us here in Atlanta. So there are some cases that are already out. The numbers are out. They're pretty high. Um, seems to be like 800 students had to be uh, quarantined for a couple of weeks and 42 teachers already. So my prayers go out to those families and those students that have to go to school. Um, I'm pretty blessed and fortunate. My son goes to a charter school and they've made a decision to do virtual learning for these next nine weeks. So we are safe. So we're thankful for that. But our heart goes out to those that are not that have to go out and be a part of this that's going on. It's just a very crazy time. I've been saying this now for the past couple of months and things still haven't really changed. I think the nice weather has have us believing that um, we're out of the woods, but we're not. And unfortunately, when the winter comes through, I think the number of cases are going to increase. And so we just want everyone to be safe, be safe, be safe, be safe as best as you can. Um, Today, um, I am here and I have the opportunity and pleasure to talk to this lady here that's sitting to my left. And I'm going to introduce her in just a second. I want to thank all of the new listeners that are checking us out for this afternoon. Um, For those of you that are not aware, uh, Real Chicks Rock is all about the empowerment of women. And we do it through so many different ways. And our brand is all about collaborating and connecting and raising awareness for women. And we do it through different platforms. We do it through community service and our public speaking and mentoring. And this platform is no different. Uh, We've been using this platform for the past couple of years to talk about the issues that impact us as women. And we talk about the issues, the challenges, the opportunities, and we talk about solutions and ways to be empowered. So it's it's not a rant session. It's all about trying to get people to another level and vibrate higher as best as possible. Today is no different. Um, There's a lot of talk and synergy around the power of voting, right? Our voting and our rights to do so and not to neglect that. A lot of um, triumphant information had happened this week and we'll talk about that in our conversation. But I always like to give women here that are on the move, and that's today's topic or title for today's show, women that are on the move. And I always want to give this platform for people here locally that are doing some grassroots things to make things different for us here in the city of Atlanta and through the state of Georgia. So it is my honor to give today's um, hour or so to Representative Valencia Stovall. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm good. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Thank you for the invite. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So, um, Representative, tell us a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind. Yes. Yeah, so I was born and raised in Southeast Atlanta, um, attended school, elementary, all the way to high school there. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a family business that um, started um, for about 30 years, my mom and dad, um, promotional printing business. Um, so community oriented um, mm-hmm. as well as business oriented. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Clayton County in 2006. And I lived there. We even had the business that was located in uh, Clayton County at mm-hmm. that particular time. And then from there, um, 
just was involved even in, in Clayton County really? um, before even thinking about being an elected mm -hmm, official. Mm -hmm. And how were you involved in Clayton? What were you doing there? Well, I, we had, I had a daughter and a son and, of course, and a nephew mm -hmm. um, that was involved in um, high school. So my, both our sons were uh, in the marching band. Mm -hmm. And at that particular time, of course, all auxiliaries are always trying to raise money. Right. And so my sister and I um, thought of the idea of doing a community festival. Um, to be able to help raise money for that auxiliary and any other um, local auxiliary. And so we collaborated with the middle school because my daughter was at the middle school, mm -hmm. in Morrow Middle School, mm -hmm. and my son was at March, um, Morrow High School and my nephew. And then we reached out to the parents and got everybody involved um, with doing the community. We called it Unity in the Community mm -hmm. um, Festival. And one good thing about the festival is very successful. We did it two years. Mm -hmm. uh, we allowed for all the money that was raised to go back to the non to the organization. So mm -hmm. usually they, the school would get a percentage of any money that's yeah, raised. Right. Uh, in this particular case, we were able to negotiate that all 100% of the proceeds would go back mm -hmm. um, to the school. So that was kind of some of the work that we did. Uh, being involved in um, in PTA as well, and at that time I was still involved in PTA on the Atlanta Council in Atlanta while I was living in Clayton County wow. as well. Wow. So, um, very strong got it from uh, from my dad, mm -hmm. who's a very strong community advocate um, in Atlanta. He's still alive at eighty years old. Wow. Yeah, still is still involved. Okay. Um, at, at you know at certain levels. So that's kind of my background. A lot of people always ask, you know, how did you get involved, you know, in politics mm -hmm. or you know, what is that community activist or grassroots? Yeah. Where does it come from? Yeah, yeah. And so we got it honestly. You got it honestly, <laughs> all through your bloodline. Yes. And still doing it. Did you find it difficult, uh, Representative, being active and being involved in the community and being a mom, raising your kids at the same time? Uh, it was challenging, but I knew that at the end, I want to make sure the community was going to be a community where I want to live mm -hmm. and a community where my children would want to, to stay if that's the decision right. that they wanted to make. Right. And also knowing that whatever I was doing was not only going to affect my children, but their friends mm -hmm. and other children that could be able to benefit from whatever activism I was doing, whether it was in education, um, whether it was, you know, promoting different other small businesses, no matter what area it was in, it's going to be beneficial uh, to everyone around. And every time I looked at being involved, it was always how do I benefit the next uh, person mm -hmm. and giving them an opportunity that I might not have had, mm -hmm. um, especially even with my son who was uh, had a learning disability. Yeah. And um, so that's how I really got involved in education and mm -hmm. learning what my rights were as as a parent. Really? And so I knew that if he had a situation, I knew there were other parents mm -hmm. who might not be as vocal, you mm -hmm. know, as I am, mm -hmm. but still need to be um, educated on how to advocate for your child. Yeah, yeah. So that had that had you yes. going. So why why staying in Clayton County, you didn't have the itch to come to Atlanta to bring that power of being a representative or just fighting for change in Atlanta. You wanted to keep it in Clayton County. Well, I had my dad had already been involved in the city of Atlanta, helped to. Um, get a lot of people elected, starting from Maynard Jackson, who was the first black mayor That's of right. a southern city. Mm -hmm. um, his two times that he ran, and even all the way down the line to uh, to Kasim, to his uh, first term in wow. office, even Shirley Franklin, wow. when she first decided to run, mm -hmm. um, speaking with my dad. And so I knew that there was a... Um, uh, landmark already there in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know what was going on in Clayton. And mm -hmm. when I moved, I didn't have any indication or thoughts about running for office. Mm -hmm. I knew I was going to be involved in what level I didn't, you know, wasn't sure. And so, uh, so I said, okay, well, the position became open for state representative um, in 2012. 
And my dad said, won't you run? I was like, no, I want to run. I said, my mouth is going to get me in trouble. I know, I already know that, Dad. He said, well, you're not doing nothing. I said, what you mean I'm not doing this? You're not doing nothing that you can't run. He said, won't you try it out and see yeah. what happened? Yeah. And so we tried it out. We and tried it years out. later, here we are. You were still there. Yeah. Still doing it. Was it difficult running, Representative? I mean, getting funding and endorsing and getting out there and meeting the people. Was it difficult for you to really that, get that I would momentum? think that probably the most difficult part was not talking to the people because I always was used to talking to mm-hmm. people, especially, you know, having a printing business. You have customers, so that's part right. of customer service. Right. So I just transferred those skills that I had already acquired mm-hmm. in the small business mm-hmm. to being into the political arena. Um, the hardest and challenging part was educating people about the political right, process right. and the voting process, right. which is still a challenge still here, yes. um, now. And, of course, you know, having to ask people to make donations, mm-hmm. you know, that was another hard part. Mm-hmm. Because being an entrepreneur, I'm used yeah. to going and getting it myself, you know, or, or working with others how to figure out to go yeah. get it. So now you have to ask, hey, will you make a donation? Yeah, and a then, small donation. Yeah, a small donation goes a long <laughs> ways. Way. Yeah. So that that was it. And um, But it was enjoyable. It was fun. Um, mm-hmm. We had the whole family involved with going out, knocking on doors, meeting people. Um, and just find out what their issues were right. and then seeing how to find a solution to those issues. And it's been some time, but Representative mm-hmm. Stovall, do you remember what your platform was back then when you ran in 212? What was it? Yes, and I kept it the whole eight years. Okay, it yeah. was the book, the book and the ballot. Okay. And I got actually picked that up from Mayor Bainer Jackson, uh, and that was part of his mantra. And so the bug was dealing with uh, economics, so I call it economic uh, uh, opportunity. Okay. Um, and then the uh, book dealt with education reform and ballot um, dealt with voter empowerment. Mm. So the buck, the book, and the ballot. That was it. That was it. So knocking on doors, telling people about that. Mm-hmm. Yes. You remember the turnout? Was it pretty good, people coming out and voting? Well, uh, the turnout um, overall, even in, in Clayton County, has always not been very, very mm-hmm. um, good. It depends on, of course, if it's a presidential election. It wasn't one at that particular time. Right. But, um, you know, of course, we were in the cycle on the state elected um, election. And so it's always been real low, and that's another challenge. And like I said, is educating the people and helping them to understand how what role policy plays in your everyday life. Just like now when we're going through COVID-19, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize that the policies play a major role because we as the elected officials, whether on the local level, on the state or the federal, we're making decisions on what's, what, what, where's the money going to go mm-hmm. and what organizations and what departments can be able to function mm-hmm. during this time of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of, of work and, and um, responsibility on us. And that's where the people come in and mm-hmm. making sure that we're held accountable about what are we going to do. We know it's unprecedented, mm-hmm. but this is a time when you want leadership to be able to stand up and mm-hmm. step up yeah. to know that we all have to work together and that people are looking for solutions during this time. Yeah. You seem to, to, to have done a pretty good job as a representative. So congratulations on, on that. So why would you want to go run for the Senate? Why do you want to give up where you've been? You've got you've got the rapport, you know the people, you know your district, you know your county, you know the needs of the mm-hmm. people. Why do you want to go and run for Senate at this time? Well, you know, for eight years uh, as a state representative, we've actually been putting on the state level, putting bandages on issues. Mm. 
and we have not really found the, the best solutions for them okay. because those solutions have to come from Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. which directs what we're going to do as a state and also directs what you're going to do on the local level. Mm -hmm. And I've been successful working um, across the aisle mm -hmm. with both Republicans and Democrats mm -hmm. um, for being able to pass some meaningful legislation yeah. and getting some resources down to, our, to not only to Clayton County, but even um, statewide. Mm -hmm. And so I said, we're looking at what's going on in Washington, D.C., and said, why not me being able to take those experiences that I have and now work it for the bet for more a broader audience mm -hmm. of Georgians because this is a statewide election mm -hmm. and um and just build upon the success that I've had for eight years and you're right I didn't have an opposition you know going into uh, re-election if I chose to do that mm -hmm. and sometimes you can stay in a place too long and if you don't move at the right time mm -hmm. then you end up missing it because sometimes yeah. that that opportunity doesn't come back around it doesn't come back around so what is if 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 given the opportunity to be a senator. What's the first thing you want to see happen? What do you want to pass or see pass? Um, the first thing I think uh, will be beneficial for Georgians uh, would definitely be awareness and access. Is I call it double A, uh, which means that I want to make sure that the people in Georgia are aware of what is actually going on in Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. what is available for them in their particular communities. You have We have rural Georgia, and then we have metro um, urban Georgia, yeah. and their, kind of, their needs are, are different. different. Uh, and, and even at the different capacities mm -hmm. of where they have to be served. And so definitely making sure that. And then the other part with awareness is having access. Mm -hmm. So many times it might not necessarily be a piece of legislation, but knowing that legislation was already passed that benefits you in whatever area that you're in. Mm -hmm. um, and so making sure that that connection is going on, because that's why I've seen the greatest disconnect is from the federal government to the state and then to the local um, mm -hmm. level. Mm -hmm. And so also forming uh, a committee um, made up of, on different categories of uh, interest that people have mm. to be able to make sure that we have that spread it out um, in different sectors of the state yeah. so that I can continue to hear from the people. Because when you can't hear from the people, then you start making all kind of other decisions yeah. based on your own knowledge. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that your own knowledge is not what, what is needed at that particular time. Right. Agriculture is big in Georgia. Yes. Entrepreneurship is big in Georgia. Education should be big, but it's not. We yes. need it in, in Georgia. Um, just equal pay, equality, and that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different things here. We are a red state. So you're, you know, given that opportunity, you're going to be busy. How are you going to make that communication? How are you going to bridge that gap? So I'm a person, I go to work every day. I don't really mm -hmm. know what's going on. How do I know what's happening at the Senate level? What are you going to do differently so that I'm aware? Well, definitely um, building on the track record that I've had mm -hmm. uh, for eight years and uh, making sure that my constituent base uh, is well informed. And it's either through, um, through email through um, phone calls, mm -hmm. um, through having, you know, monthly now that we're in the digital, we've been pushed into yeah. um, the digital platform, yeah. is being able to have those town hall meetings because they mean a lot. And then having accessibility to offices, you know, across the state mm -hmm. so that people can be able to get in touch with with my office directly yeah. to me, mm -hmm. even when I'm in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. Outside of your dad, it sounded like your dad was a major influencer in your life. Was there anybody else that motivates you into keeping the role that you have or somebody that you look to? How, is there anybody? Uh, I would say my sister okay. um, would be the next person. Um, um, being the, She's the oldest of mm -hmm. his three girls. And um, and watching her and motivating how she's motivated, 
um, when my dad and mom started the business, um, she, of course, was, was older than me. And watching her go through uh, all the years of, of operating the business and having to learn um, many, many skills, and at the same time being a wife and, uh, and a mother, um, and then even on her own, in her own accolades, um, helping to start uh, one of the charter schools um, in Clayton County um, and standing there and even fighting for that. So, um, you know, some people might say, well, oh, that's not anyone famous. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of times you don't have to have someone famous. You can have someone that yes. directly you are directly um, dealing with and watching how they are, are very instrumental mm-hmm. in helping you to build who, who you are. And at the same time, making sure I'm keeping it real. That's right. Uh, we're making sure. Holding hey, you no, accountable. You that wrong. Holding mm-hmm. me accountable. Yes. And family will tell you, won't they? Yes, they will. <laughs> <laughs> Representative Stonewall, we got some questions coming in through IG. So okay. thanks for the people that are checking us out on IG. Question is, what would you say to a person uh, that is a first-time voter? What would you say to them as encouragement or what could they expect? What would you say to a first-time voter? Um, to our first-time voters, um, is to actually look at what what issues that concern you the most. Mm-hmm. And when you look at those issues, you identify the candidate that resonates to you the most. Now, the person that might not line up 100%, none of the things that we do in politics lines up 100% to everybody. But you try to identify at least the majority that that person lines up mm-hmm. to what they say they want to do. And then you're looking at their track record as far as have they been proven that they're going to mm-hmm. do what they say they're going to do. That means a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when you're doing that, then you know that when you're casting your vote, that you're casting your vote for who you think is the best. Right. Research, research, and research. Mm-hmm. And ask other people. You know, you're going to get different opinions. Somebody might say, well, I don't think that person did a good job. Another mm-hmm. person would definitely say something else. But even for our first-time voters, those who never voted um, before, this is the ideal time to be able to make sure that you're casting your vote. Mm-hmm. Not just because it's a presidential election, but also because you have down the ballot, um, like you have with the U.S. Senate, then you have the congressional, mm-hmm. you have the state elected mm-hmm. um, officials, mm-hmm. you have some judges that are on the ballot, yep. you have your local election, like your school board, yep. all of those that each one of them pre- plays an important role. Mm-hmm. And it's up to the voter to make sure they educate themselves on what those roles uh, play so that you'll know who to go talk to mm-hmm. uh, when you have a particular issue or when you want to make a suggestion. Mm-hmm. We as uh, elected officials don't know everything. I That's- tell people all the time. I don't know everything. What I know, I know very well, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of things I don't know. So I have to depend on experts and depend on the community to make sure I'm well informed on those issues. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that that voters should be mindful of when they go and vote? Uh, Definitely. Make sure you're checking your voter status. Um, here in Georgia, we do have well uh, voters are purged off a list if you don't vote like within I think three or five years, mm-hmm. and so um, you want to make sure that you no- don't go on election day thinking that you're going to your polling precinct and your name is not on there because that's a whole nother process yeah. of getting a provisional ballot. So the best time now is to go to the Secretary of State's um, website is is MVP dot SOS dot GA dot GOV to check your status. And if it comes up and shows that you're registered, it's going to show you a polling precinct. Mm-hmm. You can even request for absentee ballot um, from there as well. And you want to make sure that you know exactly where you're supposed to go vote. I encourage everybody 
everyone to make sure they go and vote early. Mm-hmm. Do not wait on November the 3rd to vote. Right. We have almost two to three weeks of uh, early voting time mm-hmm. um, that you can be able to start going in voting. And if you want to go in person, you can. If you want to do vote by mail, you can. You can even take the ballot to the precinct um, location. The um, Different counties have different drop boxes, even before election day. Mm-hmm. So that way you're not caught in the lines of everybody trying to go and vote yeah. at that time. Yeah, so there's a lot of controversy around voting. Um, we had voting this week mm-hmm. um, for the judge and sheriff and just a couple of officials. And, right. And it went smooth, but it could be a lengthy process. Yes. I, I, unfortunately, the turnout wasn't as as uh, strong as it was back for June 9th right. and as it is for presidential. Mm-hmm. But the process was improved. There was right. more machines there. The machines were working, but you still had a paper ballot that you mm-hmm. still had to had turn to in, in and scan in and do all of that. So it's a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be longer if things back up. So, right. yeah, take take heed to what Representative Stovall is sharing with you. we got to be cognizant, and if we can do early voting, it would be great. There's just so much controversy because... There is still a population of people that are fearful of this mm-hmm. pandemic. Yes. Whether you're wearing a mask or social distancing or not, they just do not want to be a part of where there's a lot of people right. in a space. And so voting, mailing in our votes is going to be very critical. And so right. the controversy with what's going on in the White House and Man, just trying to deter yeah. everything that's going on, our vote is so critical. It's very important. It's if you think so about critical. it, if it wasn't that important, why would the president hire a new postmaster general yeah. and then postmaster general start changing policies? Mm-hmm. If, if your vote wasn't that important, yeah. Why would all of that happen? So that kind of tells you to say, oh, I know to make sure that I'm going to vote. And like I said, if you don't trust the mail-in process Mm -hmm. or you don't want to mail it in, after you complete your vote, your ballot, you can actually drop it off in a lockbox and it has the cameras on the outside of the lockbox so Mm -hmm. that nobody can tamper with it. So you can just go and drive up. Put it in the lockbox, wow. and that's it. Then you you finish you with did. your voting process, so you mm-hmm. didn't have to interact with anyone. You didn't have to go inside. And then since you might not trust the mailing, um, then now you know that you have made sure that you voted because you put it inside of that lockbox at your at your county um, elections office. Mm-hmm. Tell me, uh, Representative Stovall, your your opinion uh, about the current legislation for the White House. Everybody has an opinion, but I want to. Mm-hmm try to streamline it to your current role as a representative and then how you would align as a senator if you got that seat. So tell me, what do you think about the legislation today? Um, I think even now with the new CARES Act um, being contemplated in um, in Washington, D.C., I think the fir- even with the first bill, uh, when it comes to small businesses, which is uh, part of my platform as well, mm. is we need to reclassify um, how we classify small businesses. Okay, now. Um, in the um, in United States, small business are 500 employees or less. Mm. Uh, but you have micro small businesses, ones that might have 100 employees, 50, or maybe two, or maybe one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and what happened when um, the SBA loans came out, EIDL loans and the payroll protection, uh-huh. uh, most most of the ones that were able to participate 
were those small businesses on the higher higher yeah, level. Right. And so when it came down to the bottom of the totem pole, mm-hmm. where a lot of our small businesses who are responsible for hiring our local people in our communities, right. they were not able to qualify or they didn't have the resources that were needed. So, you know, looking into moving in as a U.S. senator, mm-hmm. that's one of the top is looking at our small businesses, businesses and making sure that they have an equal part of participation no matter what that size is. Mm-hmm. And I think our small business development centers should have been brought in early on even before the money was released that first round of, of, of loans were released because they are funded by SBA right and so our small micro small business could have gone to them and gotten additional assistance mm-hmm. uh, for you know whatever phase that they were in mm-hmm. and I think that you know looking at that and now you talk about unemployment insurance has um, has stopped those um, that additional federal money right. has stopped and then here in Georgia we have many people who have, who claims have not been processed mm-hmm. I've been participating in um, press conferences across um, the metro area mm-hmm. um, trying to fight for those claims because we're getting inundated as a state representative, but we, our hands are tied mm-hmm. because that position, and it goes back to what I talked about earlier about being educated, the uh, governor and um, the labor commission, along with about six or seven others, are statewide positions, mm-hmm. which means everyone votes for them. Right. And so we're not in control over them on, on what they do. They you know execute whatever it is in their office. Mm-hmm. And in this case, in the labor commissioner's um, position, he has sole um, authority on what how he's going to handle his department. Mm. Only time we were interfered, we were in session, which we're not. Mm. Then we could have passed legislation to either, hey, you're going to have to do this, or you not you did this, but now we're going to change it to this. Yeah. But when we're not in session, we can't pass any legislation. Right, so right. we're only in session forty days out of a year. That's so it. those other days, mm. you know, all kind of things can happen. Girl. And then with <laughs> uh, with the governor. Uh, he could have utilized the Georgia National Guard to come in and help with those claims that people are saying that they're not getting answers for. Right. So those are all kind of things that you want to look at government efficiency is making sure that it's, it's flowing from the federal government to the right. state and to the local. Yeah. Because anytime you have a crack in government efficiency on any level, the people are the ones that end up suffering mm-hmm. at the end. Mm-hmm. If, if nothing else, I need y'all to be in session longer than 40 days. If, if nothing else, I need 50, at least 52, at least one day a week. Right. So at least as things are coming up, we might be able to put something in place to to kind of offset that. It's almost like um, I think people are coming in and wanting to be representatives mm-hmm. and senators, and that's great. But I think there's just a bigger uh, hierarchy and tiers that we right. need to be going for, that there's more power and more control in those levels because it's impacting all of us. And the yes. decisions that are being done by the state are not necessarily the best ones. Right. And, you know, and, uh, and that's very important uh, with that because the federal government, of course, they're in session all year long. Yeah. But now they've just gone on break. But they haven't been able to come to a conclusion or compromise <sighs> on CARES money. So what, what is happening to the people? Yeah. They're out here. They're suffering. They're getting ready to start facing eviction. Um, the utilities being there, you know, getting ready to be cut off. You know, school is started back. That mm-hmm. means the kids at home. So that means they're higher needs that yeah. within your household yeah. that you need. Your insurance needs to be paid. All these things need to be paid. And then you don't have a solution because you have partisanship that's going on. And that's one of the reasons why I'm running as an independent, mm-hmm. because I want to get rid of the partisanship divide. And I'm able to I've already been able to work with both Republicans and Democrats mm-hmm. for coming up with decisions mm-hmm. and making things successful. And so being able to take that experience up there to 
in Washington, D.C., to look at what's the issues for the people and being a champion for all of Georgians, not because you're part of a particular party, okay. because issues are not Republican issues. They're not Democratic issues. People. They are people issues. Yeah, yeah. So let's uh, opportunity to educate people that are listening and watching. So running as an independent versus as a partisan, just give us a little definition. Independent versus partisan. Tell us okay. that. Okay. So um, right now in the state of Georgia, there are two recognized um, parties. Mm-hmm. There's the Democratic Party mm-hmm. and then there's the Republican Party. And because this was a special election, uh, usually what happens if an independent wants to run in the state, they have to get a certain percentage of whatever the last votes are. Right. But because it's a special election, and the reason it's a special election is because Senator Johnny Isaacson retired from this particular seat okay. um, last year. Mm-hmm. And then the governor made an appointment. And then, but the people have to decide who they want to represent them mm-hmm. to finish out the remaining term of um, Senator Isaacson's term, which mm-hmm. would be two years remaining mm-hmm. after six years. And so because of that, and me running as an independent, I did not have to go through the process of getting signatures. Okay. And because it was a special election, we didn't have a primary. So it wasn't a, a, a a process just like the other Senate race where you chose a Democrat or Republican mm-hmm. that wasn't like this because of a special election and yeah. just going to be held on the same day as a general election. Wow. So as an independent, I'm able to think independent. That's the key with the word in there. And, um, and uh, you know, and still understand the values that are in the Democratic Party. Uh, understand the values on the Re- Republican Party, right. but not when my decisions are being made, they're not going to be controlled by what party leadership says mm-hmm. that I have to vote. And that is what has happened down at the state capitol mm-hmm. that I've been uh, have faced and had to fight against right. because the issues that I fought for were people issues. Yeah. So as a voter, how can I vote for a independent if I'm typically a Republican or a Democrat, but I... You know, now this is this <laughs> Valencia Stovall person. I want to I want to vote for her. How do I what do I do when I get to the to the voting uh, booth? Do I get a do I say I'm f- voting independent? What do I do? How do I you vote for get you? Every, for general election, everyone gets the general ballot. Mm. And so everyone will be listed on there. My name is not a write in. You don't have to worry about trying all to remember right, how to spell clear, it. Be clear. Be clear. It's all going to be on the ballot. Yeah, so okay. it's all going to be listed on the ballot. They just need to look for Stovall. That's all. That's it. What? She rhyming? <laughs> Stovall, that's all. So it's yes. going to be on the ballot. Yes. Absolutely. Fantastic. So I want to I wanted to ask you this. Um, We lost a a great man, um, Representative John Lewis. Uh, He has such a impact on the world, but especially us here in Atlanta. We we, I think we all feel like we knew him because Mm -hmm. we could see him. He was within our midst. Um, This was his home. Um, you know, I signed up for his email. So I, mm-hmm. I got a sense of what was happening. He was very good. His office was very good about giving people a heads up on what to look for mm-hmm. and what was happening, what was impacting us as citizens, as, as black communities, just different things that were going on. I just wanted to ask you, what kind of impact did he have on you? And what are you going to take from his life going forward? Well, definitely um, being courageous, mm-hmm. uh, even against at, um when it's adversary, uh, adversarial, yeah. uh, being courageous and knowing that when you're fighting for something and it's in your heart, you know that you're fighting for it, even though, you know, you're going to 
um, face many obstacles, but you still have to push forward um, for that. So, you know, that's one of the one of those things. Um, and then making sure that people understand the importance of voting. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you, right now we have a lot of people that are millennials and, and younger, and they just say, well, we don't see the, the reason for yeah. voting. Why should I go and vote? The yeah. machines messed up the yeah. last time. Lines too long. And lines too long. <laughs> I don't need to worry about that. And so one of the things I, you know, would tell them is that, Look at how what's going on now with COVID-19. If you like what's going on with COVID-19, don't vote. Mm. And I know that that's not going to be true because <laughs> everyone has an issue with what has happened yeah. with COVID-19. Yeah. And that should be enough to be able to motivate you to say, what is that you would like to see change as we're going coming through COVID-19? Mm-hmm. It's a difficult time, but then there are opportunities in every uh, tragedy. There's always opportunities. So what would you like to see change? And that's who you're going to vote for. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, going back with um, with Congressman Lewis is you know stand up for what you believe in even if you be if you're by yourself mm-hmm. you have to stand up for you know for what you believe in. Mm-hmm. What would you say to women that want to get into government and politics? What 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 would you say to motivate them or encourage them or the gotchas or things that they should look out for? Um, definitely educate yourself on on whatever policies or whatever position that you're interested in. The more that you uh, educate and go and, f- and talk to other people, if you want to go and uh, participate or volunteer in campaigns, you come vol- volunteer yeah, in yeah, my campaign. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that way, once you're educated about the issues, then you know how to um, perform or, or set up your platform or the issues that are dear to you. Don't worry about trying to um, handle 10 different things. Mm-hmm. Just look at one or two things that are most important to you that you feel that you might can have an impact in changing that particular um, issue. Mm-hmm. For me, when I first became elected, I didn't do it. look at everything I could change. I know we're going to have all these issues. I focus on education. Okay. And so with education, I stayed in it, even through the uh, tough times against you know my party, because mm-hmm. uh, I fought for school choice. I heard earlier you talked about your um, child being uh, enrolled at, um, in charter schools, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't believe that um, majority of Democratic parties are not in, in favor of charter schools. Mm-hmm. And so because I know that that's a choice that parents should be able to make on mm-hmm. how they want to educate their children. Right. And if the um, federal government and local government and state is supporting our traditional public schools, then they need to support our non-traditional mm-hmm. public schools mm-hmm. and whatever other choice their parents make right. um, as far as how they want to educate their children. So being able to have to fight, stand up and fight, and sometimes by myself, yeah. maybe two of us are standing there fighting you know, for that. <laughs> But I knew at the end I was fighting for a good reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you talk about, even with John Lewis, talk about good trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a good trouble for me and continue to be a good trouble. So for women, you know, there are issues that we face that a lot of times, especially as black women, that other races don't face. Yeah. And so if whatever that is that's, um, that tugs at your heart as far as what you need to fight for, mm-hmm. then that's what you go and fight for. Yeah. You go and find out what the rules are. That's what I tell anybody that wants to get into uh, politics or anything, find out what the rules are. Once you know how what the rules are, then you know how to uh, place, do whatever you need to do to get the results that you need. Representative Stovall, I've been here in Atlanta for over 30 years. And for as long as I've been here, the educational system has always been in the bottom. Mm-hmm. Like we've always ranked out of 50 states, we've always ranked 47, 48, 49, always at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Any idea why it's such a struggle for us here in Georgia to really accept that education is important for all of us. Any idea why that is? Um, I believe that sometimes when you have um, 
ways that things are done and people think that that's the best way to continue to do them and you're not willing to change and innovate um, in how education is delivered. And that's what I have seen here in the state of Georgia. You have school system that's been, we've been doing this all the time, but it has been working. You're looking at the statistics. And then when you have some school districts that do very well Mm -hmm. and others continue to not do well, Mm -hmm. you know, why is there no correlation between the two? When it comes down to your school district's doing well, what is that you have that we don't have in our area that's causing uh, that causes the difference? And a lot of times it goes back to uh, property taxes or how they're charged. And the funding of school districts are based on property taxes and, of course, local taxes. So if you have a more affluent area, their property taxes are going to be higher. The collection on those taxes and about 60% of your uh, property taxes goes towards the education system, Mm -hmm. which is a huge chunk that comes out. And when you look at am I getting the bang for my bucks or how much we're putting into it as a return on investment, it's not equaling out. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able, and those are one of the things I'll be pushing Mm -hmm. um, as a U.S. senator, is getting outside of that box and stop being so scared to get outside the box. COVID-19 came in. And many of our school districts were forced outside of that box mm-hmm. in a very uncomfortable yeah. zone. Yeah. But look at it. They now having to change around and figure out how to do it. Parents now who weren't paying attention sometimes with how the kids were doing and how the education level was doing. Now they've been forced yeah. to know what level, you know, their particular children are on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. Um Big announcement this week in politics, as Joe Biden has announced who his running mate will be, which is Kamala Harris. What are your points or opinions on that uh, opportunity for her? Well, I think it's a a great, great historical opportunity, Mm -hmm. Um, especially um, having to be able to pick a vice president as a black woman Mm -hmm. the first time Mm -hmm. ever being on on a ticket like Mm -hmm. that. Um, Why it took so long? I don't know. (laughs) It should have been happening sooner, but we are dealing with where we are now. Since Shirley Chisholm, yes, like yes. way back, <laughs> way back, way back, just now. <laughs> um, I think it, it's it's very good because anytime you have um, a woman that's that's elected in a position, um, that compassion always shows mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And um, and not saying that the men don't have it, but it's just certain things that God has built in us that we end up are able to be that compassion yeah. uh, with it. And um, so I think with that being able to, because now we're in a, a presidency that there's no compassion, mm-hmm. you know, at all. Mm-hmm. And in order for us to, to move back into that area where we were real, well respected as the United States of America, mm-hmm. we don't have that respect yeah, anymore. We've lost it a whole lot. Yeah. And so it's going to take a team of whoever that is in that in that office um, to be able to bring that compassion and that respect back to America and have uh, and also look at what's going to be best to grow our businesses what's going to be best to improve our education system mm-hmm. because one thing about it, you mentioned earlier about education is that uh, it's important to make sure our children have the best foundation because they're going to age out of our school system. They're going to turn 18 eventually. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have the best education, then they fall into a whole nother system right. that all of us pay for again. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's in the prison system, whether it's on social services, yeah. uh, or maybe, you know, they no longer here because of, of different circumstances. Right, right. So that's one of the reasons why I push so hard for school choice is that, Uh, So that parents can have that opportunity. And so when you're looking at who's going to be the drivers of that seat in Washington, D.C., you want someone that's in there that's going to be that's knowledgeable about 
what's going on in the different communities, no matter about what race it is, there are different issues that are going on. And you want them to be able to make the best decision um, that's going to be right to move our whole country forward. Mm-hmm. Um, for Biden and Kamala Harris, what is the first thing you would like to see them do if they've given it, if given the, the position to be president and vice president? What do you think they should do first? Um, definitely, I think um, probably going to take a deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and even I think reach reach back out to local local different governments mm. uh, to identify what are those areas that they see that they need the most help in. Mm. Um, just like sometimes I would be on White House in a governmental calls um, talking to us as state elected officials, um, and you get a chance to kind of hear what's going on in different states. And I think they're going to have to reconnect back mm. to the community. Mm. Um, because that's what has happened. It's been disconnected. Yeah. Yeah. And so many people are suffering so much during COVID-19 mm-hmm. um, that need help. And you got to know where is that help need to come from. So I think starting out talking with the local leaders, it might not be all at once. You may have, you know, the governor's on one call, the state elected officials on another, the local mayor, city council on another, school board might be on another, you know, call. Uh, because they all have different facets. Then you're going to need to talk to the Chamber of Commerce and just regular p- business people who might not be a member of the Chamber of Commerce because it costs a little money to be yeah. a member of the Chamber. Yeah, yeah. Um, so just kind of reaching out to everybody to kind of see what those different needs are. And then I know they started putting a comprehensive plan together, but then aligning it to make sure that it's lined up to what the needs are of the people. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of women of color in politics now, mm-hmm. from mayors to uh, governors to representatives, senators, congressmen. Is this a good? Is is America turning uh, as they as it relates to black women? Do they are they starting to see our value and what we bring to the table? Are, are times changing or not really? I think times are changing and not changing fast enough. Come on, you know, girl, give it some gas. Because <laughs> even when I look at down at the state capitol, uh, you know, the number of, of women, period. Yes. You know, if I take out the color, just the women, period. Yes, ma'am. It's still majority men mm-hmm. um, that, are, that are representing us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now when I bring in the, the color, it's still a small number of African-American women okay. um, who are representing us. This is just at the state capitol yes, on, this, on the House and the Senate side. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then there are issues that face black women that are not faced by as hard as uh, other races. I'll give you an example. I served on the House Study Committee for Maternal Mortality. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was, and the thing about how it was all set up, uh, it only had two African American women that served on it, myself and one of the representatives from Columbus, Georgia. Right. And, um, and when sitting there listening to all the statistics and every person that got up that was an expert, talked about how African-American women are three to four times likely to die more than any other race because of childbirth-related issues. Mm-hmm. And so when you hear that, I was astonished. I was like, and this is national. This is not just, it's just Georgia's right, high in right, Georgia. Right. But even nationally, this is a, a huge issue. Right. So when you look at that, so first thing I'm thinking, okay, when we get ready to make our recommendation, I know we should have several recommendations about yeah. African-American women <laughs> and issues, things, and programs geared towards them. Yes, ma'am. But that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. Um, even when I sent them my recommendation, they asked each one of the members to send their recommendations. And, of course, my one of the ones I said is that we need to establish a more deeper study into why African-American women are being affected more. Right. And then the other one was establishing a commission, an African-American Women's Commit- Health Commission, yeah. focused just on African-American women. Mm-hmm. If 
we three to four times like that means we checking out of here faster yeah. than any other race. Yeah. Then to me, that's a pandemic all by itself. <laughs> Just like we had the uh, the issue with um, with meth. Yeah. We set up all of these um, um, sort resources for people to go and get help if they were addicted centers, right. additional housing. Yeah. So what would be the difference between for black women? Yeah. It's no difference to me. Both of them were issues right. and major issues. Yes. So that's why I said we haven't come farther enough. Nah, okay. You know because. Mm-hmm. If we as a state know that that's an issue with three to four times um, likely, and that means that we need to start at an early age, mm-hmm. when even before the children are born. Right. And then even as they get born, we need to educate them more on healthy living, healthy uh, style, and making sure they're not in food deserts where they don't have access mm-hmm. and they can't afford to buy mm-hmm. you know fresh fruits and vegetables. Those other things, and, and that the stress level is not so high. Yeah. You know, because as raising um, children, even as a single parent, your stress level is extra high. Because you're not only having to worry about yourself, but you're worrying about your children. Yeah. And if you don't have the health care for yourself, you can't go to the doctor because if you're on an hourly job, you miss an hour, that's your pay. That's your that pay. means you're going to be behind that week, the next week, and the week after yeah. that. So that's why I said we haven't come farther enough uh, yeah. when it comes down to issues set for African-American women. Yeah, we got a lot on us. Um, we, we tend to make it look easy, mm-hmm. but we do have a lot on us. Yeah, there is a lot. If you don't go to work, you don't get paid. Right. Um, and then your pay is not the same level exactly. of pay as, as a man, exactly. as a white woman, or as a, as a man, period. Exactly. You can't even make excuses mm-hmm. to not be at work for your children. They look at that as a handicap. So it's a lot of different things against us. Um, but to God be the glory, we continue yes. to keep moving and keep pressing. But it's these kind of conversations and people like yourself, Representative, that we need on the ground helping mm-hmm. us to make the difference for us because... We're speaking. We're Black Lives Matter. We're doing right. this, and we're we're all over the place. We're protesting, and we're trying to raise a vibration. But we need people in the spaces that can right. represent, and let's bring it to the table, to the forefront, to be addressed because it's just not going to go away. No, it's, it's getting not. a little better, but not enough. It's not fast enough. It's not especially enough. when you think about how much time has elapsed. Yes, you know, with this. Um, and so, um, you know, being able to fight for those issues, you know, yeah. that are real issues. Yeah. Um, and so those are, you know, things that I plan on doing is yeah. fighting for those real issues that mean the most to, to people. Yeah. Everybody have issues, yeah, but there are certain issues that are more prominent. And mm-hmm. if we can find solutions to them mm-hmm. or lessen the amount of gravity right. in those issues, then we can move to everything else. But certain things, that's like when you talk about a woman's health, mm-hmm. that's very important. Very then important. even you talk about health disparities and racial health disparities when a black woman goes to the doctor and she complains about um sickness or pain though if it's a white physician or physician of another color they dismiss her oh you'll be all right here this you just going through that and then they go home they thinking the doctor is right and then they come back again hey i'm still having this pain and for some reason this is what the research said when the experts came that they think that that black women can take on more pain can bear more pain a stronger And so that's why they don't pay. Oh, we exaggerating our situation or issue. So those are very, very important um, when you think about, you know, African-American women and the struggle and then how do we move on, especially as us rising in more executive positions, uh, which means we're taking on more responsibilities Mm -hmm. um, and and still having to raise, um, help to raise children, whether you're in a single home or two family home. You know, there's still a lot that goes with that. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. But we make we make it. We're doing a good job. Y'all are doing a good job. Job. Gotta keep up the good work. So, Representative Stovall, when can we vote for you? 
I'm just putting it out there. Just say, you know, so if somebody wants to vote for you, when is it November? Are you going to be on that? November or? the 3rd. Mm-hmm. The ballot is coming up. November mm-hmm. the 3rd. And name will be printed on it the ballot. It will be printed. Just go down <laughs> to see Stovall. That's all. Now, you can continue down the ballot. I want you to, but just make sure that you stop where it says Valencia Stovall. <laughs> And for those that can't see, she has Stovall earrings on. I think yes, it's the cutest thing. Thank you. It's cute. <laughs> One of my supporters, uh, Leatherwood Design, uh, she created them and she gave me two pairs. One that's orange and one that has like a, a bronze or brown color. So I decided to wear my orange and today. And matching your badge today. Yes. You just look so official. Thank you. <laughs> so listen, Representative, if people want to find out what you're about, what your what your beliefs are, what you're fighting for, is there a website? Is there somewhere, a place where people can get more information about you and your platform and what you're doing and what you're representing? Yes, they can go to ghostoval.com. That's G O. S-T-O-V-A-L-L dot com. I'm on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Valencia Stovall. Um, also um, on LinkedIn, at Valencia Stovall. And every Friday I do a live show mm-hmm. talking about issues. Um, this past Friday, uh, we did it on college students that were returning back in the effects of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And next Friday, this upcoming Friday, we will actually have senior citizens on talking about what, how they've been affected ah. with COVID-19. And my dad will be one of my guests. Of course he will. <laughs> dad is about 80 years old, still <laughs> yes. giving people heck, right? Giving yes. it to him. Yeah. Give it to him. <laughs> He's not ready to check out. And there's still a community of senior citizens that are yes. very active. I mean, we as as black people have, I believe we're making a turn, right? Yes. Um, Unfortunately, through this COVID-19 and this pandemic, there has been an awakening in us in a sense that we want to take better care of ourselves, right? right. We are trying to stay away from the food deserts or the mm. things that are not good for us because now we know that our immune system is our only fighting yes. chance against this, this disease, right. right, this virus. And they don't have a... a um, an answer for it. Mm-hmm. So it's up to us to kind of figure it out. So I think people are trying to drink more water and right. cook more at home mm-hmm. and not eat out as much and just try to incorporate more fu- fruits and vegetables right. and just try to be more um, organic or more of the herbs and just trying right. to figure out versus to your point earlier, Representative, a doctor just writing you a prescription mm-hmm. and you're taking it. Right. You know, because that's a whole nother money that's a whole nother money stream in itself for the pharmaceutical right. companies, right? Yes. So to keep you on or keep you on a dialysis machine, right? Mm-hmm. If you look, there's so many dialysis yeah, they are centers in our community, in our community and then why they're not the same. Yeah, you amount can't find them nowhere other, else. Right. You know what I mean? But you can find them and you can find liquor stores and you can right. find churches and you can find fried food places or fast food places in our communities mm-hmm. and then other communities are very very rarely hard to find so we want people to pay attention right. to the signs right and to the traits that things just automatically just appear in our neighborhood just to kind of keep us in a certain mm-hmm. plateau or right. dynamic but we're smarter than that yes. right so we have people like you fighting for us for legislation and laws and then we got to do the work and make sure we pay attention and take better care of ourselves and ask those questions and ask the tough questions so have you enjoyed doing your podcast how's that been going for you yes i have it's been very uh, informative i've got a chance to talk with students and kind of hearing from them and we had um high school students that were two from a private school and then i had one that was from a a traditional public school Mm -hmm. and that and just hearing the commonality among them and then those 
differences. Then we talked with teachers to kind of hear what their fears were with going into COVID-19. And so, you know, keeping informed on all of those different levels, we talked to someone that was an expert with immigration, Mm -hmm. you know, which is a whole nother issue uh, that's going on. And we talk about global stewardship, how we need to be better um, with how we are here in the United States. We can't be an island by ourselves. Mm -hmm. We don't have all the resources. So we do have to have better international relationships um, that are going on. And so how do we, you know, promote that? How do we deal with the immigration issues that yeah. we have here locally? So it's been really exciting yeah. um, to be able to interview the different people mm-hmm. um, and hear the different point of views and everything. It's addictive. Yes, Podcasting <laughs> and talking to folks is addictive. I'm yeah. trying to tell you, you can't get enough of you. like, man, I got a show to do. I can't do it. I'm excited. Uh, one thing I want you to cover, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be checking out, listening to it is Talking to small business owners again, mm-hmm. you know, entrepreneurs and small businesses, and you hit a very good point because there are a lot of businesses that don't have 100 people. Right. It's really them and maybe somebody else mm-hmm. doing it and trying to make things happen. And so it would be interesting to understand how people are navigating through these times, right. right? Especially when you had a business that required people to be in front face. of you face to face and now everything is digital and virtual. So how do we pivot and turn and make those adjustments? Right. We can never talk about that enough because right. again, at the end, we're like at the bottom of the right. pole. So again, it'd be great to get some different insights on how people are operating during these times with that. Yeah, most definitely. And then you look at small businesses they are they actually are affecting two types of income. Mm. They're the employees that they hire and then their own. Yes. You know, so they're not working for corporate America, mm. they're working for themselves. Yeah. So when the pandemic hit, it hit them really yeah. hard. Yeah. And that's why it was important to make sure that the resources came down mm. to those micro small businesses mm-hmm. because they were hit effective themselves in their own household. Mm-hmm. And just think if you had a couple that worked in that same business, yeah. they would double hit, yeah. you know, with the income mm-hmm. um, deficit. So, you know, a small business, our livelihood, you know, for this state and for this country. Yeah. So we have to make sure they're supported. And then how do we even increase more small business opportunities, especially now with COVID-19? How do we utilize state departments, fellow departments to be able to help support our small businesses yeah. that have to thrive? Mm-hmm. It takes money to make money. Yes, it does. So we're going to need a little money. Yes. You know, for those that are listening, we're going to need a little money. And and, you know, support black businesses, right? Yes. Support the small businesses, yes. you know, find the quality ones out there and support them and invest your money in that. Yes. This was great. How can people find you again? Tell them, Representative Sobal. Ghostoval.com. G-O-S-T-O-V-A-L-L.com. Yes. All right. And you can make a donation, $5 or more. We have to get the message across the whole state of Georgia. So if you know someone in one of those small towns, rural towns, we want to talk to them as well. So make sure you're spreading the word about the campaign. And it's November the 3rd, but I want you to go and vote early. Do not wait to November the 3rd to vote. Go and vote early. Go now. Go now. Mm It was wonderful. Thank, Thank you, you so much, it, Representative Soho, for your time. You know, that's that's my time. You know me. I'm everywhere. Real Chicks Rock is everywhere. Mm-hmm. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We got a website, realchicksrock.com. Please go to the website to subscribe so you do not miss our email blasts and our blogs. Um, we have a YouTube channel. Go and subscribe to that channel. We're on Roku. We're on <laughs> iTunes. We're on iHeart. 
radio, we're on Spotify, you name it, we are there. <laughs> There's no reason why you should be missing one of these episodes. And yes, go to the website. We are pushing t-shirts and masks and the combination, all that. We want you to be safe and cute at the same time. <laughs> so support your, support small businesses if you can, as best as you can. That's my time. You guys take care and continue to be well. Until next time, continue to rock on. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have a product or service you'd like to have promoted during the show, please contact us at info at realchicksrock.com and we'll send you the details. We're reaching the masses and we would love for you to join us on the ride. Until next time, take care and continue to rock on.